welcome to GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer, founder and creator of GYSB. Get your sexy back, health and fitness movement. Over 13 years ago, I lost over 50 pounds and on that journey, I found joy, peace and more self-love. That's how the GYSB movement got started because I wanted to share with other people what I had found for myself. And now in my 50s, I'm still on this journey. And now I'm starting to navigate some of the inevitable changes that come with aging. So GYSB Talks will cover topics that will help women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s get to their next level of optimal living. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and in relationships. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get into today's topic, shall we? One in four women have been victims of severe physical abuse by an intimate partner. Every day, there are more than 20,000 calls placed to domestic violence hotlines. According to the Association of Marriage and Family Therapy, the uncomfortable truth is that nearly 20% of marriages and intimate partnerships will experience physical violence and or emotional abuse. Today's episode contains descriptions of physical and emotional abuse. I want to warn you, there could be some triggers. But sis, I'm really glad that you're here because the goal of this episode is to raise awareness around domestic violence. And today's guest is a survivor of domestic violence and she's here to share her story in hopes that it will help other women. Now, if you or a loved one is a victim of abuse, please, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline That number is 800-799-7233. Again, I'm glad you're here. Proceed with caution as this is sensitive content. Now let's get into today's episode. The title, Breaking Free, A Survivor's Journey Out of Domestic Violence. Cortina Jackson is a motivational speaker on topics of domestic violence and sexual abuse. She helps others to realize their life's purpose to achieve unimaginable success, and she speaks to businesses on identifying toxicity in the workplace and improving productivity. Cortina wrote, directed, and starred in her first short film called Daddy. It's now in post-production. She is a TV producer with an upcoming talk show, Caught on the Hook, where she helps you recognize the bait. And this is on the Zandra TV network. I'm really happy that Cortina has come on to the GYSB Talks podcast today to share her story. Hi, Cortina. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I'm very honored uh, to be on your show. Uh, it, It really is an honor. And I I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. You and I did an episode three years ago on the Carla Palmer show. And I really enjoyed that episode. And I learned a lot from your story. And I wanted to bring you on to GYSB Talks. One personal reason is that I lost a friend to intimate partner uh, violence uh, in 2021. 
And I had no idea that she was going through that in that relationship. And I, I think there are a lot of women who are hiding and, and their friends don't know about some mm. of the abuse and, and things that they're going through personally. So I just I thought it would be important to to bring this topic to light to my audience. So I'm really glad that you said yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that platform, because, yes, you're right. Uh, it's something that affects a lot of people. And the thing about it, it is, you know, they say uh, uh, high blood pressure is a silent killer. But domestic violence is definitely mm -hmm. one of those silent killers that sometimes we're just not even aware of until it is too late. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about exactly today, the title is Breaking Free a survivor's journey out of domestic violence. And I have Cortina here. She's going to share our story, her story with us. What, why do you share your story? Well, I share my story. I feel it's very important. I enjoyed um, a, law, a long law enforcement and criminal justice career. I, I have my education in criminal justice, my whole background. Uh, and, and in that course of 20 years, I've worked with some uh, some some perpetrators of various heinous crimes and you know during that time it's given me uh, direct insight into what a lot of them find attractive in their victims mm. and so you know just learning those personalities and and different types all of that and having that command presence I was in this position of power and I had a command presence and a purpose and, you know, going through life and, and, and able to give tips and different things to women of domestic violence and uh, these perpetrate, you know, what these perpetrators of crime are, you know, what they're looking for. And mm -hmm. I myself almost my, lost my own life. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't from one of those perpetrators. You know, I've worked in the prison for many years. Uh, I've worked with sex offenders, uh, some of the, the uh, most violent sex offenders in Texas. And it wasn't any of them that I had to fear, but mm -hmm. it was in my own home. Yep. Uh, I almost lost my own life through domestic violence from another police officer mm -hmm. uh, in domestic violence, my own husband. Mm -hmm. And so I share a lot of my relatable experiences of domestic violence, uh, even uh, various types of sexual abuse and other types of abuse, gaslighting, narcissism, yes. financial manipulation. Mm. I, I share a lot of this. It's because I've experienced all of these. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that it's important to tell my story and how I overcame, you know, some of that trauma that I felt to actually enjoy success because you think is there life after domestic violence mm -hmm. and that's I think that's what's important to share you know for those who are are seeking to get out safely you know out of the situation those mm -hmm. who are in it you know just how do you move forward and what can you do you know do you know feeling empowered to leave or, and mm -hmm. to share this with other people so that someone knows so, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is why I feel it's very important to share. Would you mind sharing some of your story so that people kind of have a sense of, of what it was that you went through, you and your children? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I had married this, uh, this police officer. Uh, I met him. I thought, what a great opportunity to be with someone 
in law enforcement because that's what I wanted to go into myself. I wanted to be a, a detective. And so in order to be a detective, you have to be a police officer first. So okay. that was my goal. That was my steps in life uh, to fulfill what I wanted to do in life. How'd you so all I met, meet? We met through a dating website. Um, at the time I was working at a prison and in a small town, West Texas, and there wasn't a lot of uh, opportunities for me to date. And so I, I joined this dating website and I saw his profile and it said he was a police officer, former um, military. Mm -hmm. He had this cute child sitting on his knee, a, a, a son. And I thought, wow, family man, military background, police officer. I would feel this sense of safety, you know, in, you know, being with him and, and yeah. getting to know about him. And I, I never knew that he was the one I needed protection from later. Mm -hmm. I, I, I met him. I married him very quickly. Um, I think our, our courtship maybe lasted a couple of months before I just knew he was the really one. just a few months. He okay. was everything. Of course, my profile told everything about me and what I liked. And he matched up perfectly to everything I wanted down to the religion and, and everything. And so our courtship wasn't very long. Can and I ask only... you something um, yes, about, yes. about your profile and, and we'll get definitely get back to the story, but is there, are, are there things that you would tell women now who are doing dating apps, what not to put up there? You don't have to put your entire life story. I okay. have learned uh, from working even at the prison that uh, when it comes to a lot of these personalities that I've dealt with in uh, these perpetrators who look for victims, everything that you share, even your past hurts, you know, I don't want to be hurt again. You know, yeah. they, uh, people pick up on that and okay. they know how to match and become your everything. Got so it. in this particular situation with my husband, uh, even talking to him, not even, you know, the profile, everything that I was, he was. Okay. Um, I go to this church. Oh, me too. Mm. I've done this. Oh, me too. Okay. And he had a story for everything to match what I did. And so I noticed, you know, from my information, he was able to read my profile and he knew before that I'd been hurt before and that I was looking for a new start. And so he knew the questions to ask me. Okay. Um, so maybe not sharing all of your life initially. Just okay. put, you know, you know, I, I don't like a smoker. I don't like people who drink, you know, just, just keep it very surface until you okay. get to know the person a little bit better. Um, and so, yeah, in, in sharing a lot of that with, with his uh, narcissism and, and, and different things, he was able to match me completely and become the man of my dreams. Mm -hmm. After marrying him, I realized he was nothing that his mm. profile said. Um, down to the cute little boy that sat on his knee. He wasn't this little baby boy that was on his knee. This, this, uh, this son of his was now 12, 13 years old. Oh, and, so he had an old photograph up there. Yes. Okay. And he was that old and he was not even living with him because his first wife had taken that cute little boy and, and she too had to flee and she moved back to Germany and okay. took the son. So these are things I learned afterward. Initially, 
yep, I got this this little boy and, and just everything that he told me was a lie. He, we weren't even the same religion. And so that came out. Oh, I don't even like that religion. I, mm. I can't stand that religion. And the abuse happened one month into the marriage, one month. And wow. he already had, uh, he had hit me the first time. Wow. Um, I thought it was an isolated incident. He was a okay. police officer at the time. And, uh, and that's what he assured me of. Hey, it's a new marriage. I'm a police officer. You know, there's racism on the job. It's been a rough day. I misunderstood some things that you said. That never, I've never hit a woman in my life. And he cried and he boohooed and this will never happen again. I can't believe I did this. Okay. And I believed it. I was, I was cautious then. I was ready to pack up. I was that person that, oh no, there, there won't be a first, a second or third time. And so I was ready to pack up my things the first time. But given that, I thought, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe so. Let me not jump to conclusions. You know, do, do you get rid of a, a, a Bentley because it has a dent in it? You know, I just had all these thoughts that maybe so. Yeah. And I stayed in the relationship and things went okay. You know, he, he began to, uh, we planned for our house and my sons weren't with me at the time. They were going to finish out school and then move with us. So during this time he had, we, we bought a home for them to okay. come to and built this life. And, and as soon as the boys came, the abuse began to start again. Then it was all was, about and the kids. Was he doing the abuse in front of his children? Never. Okay. We lived, uh, we lived this life in secret. I never wanted to uh, show the boys, uh, my sons, that side of me. Um, I, I was always, I'm always, I'm a very funny and upbeat person. And here's the scary part. You know, we said earlier how this is a silent, you know, kind of a silent killer mm-hmm. is because I was able to wear a mask that I have wore for over 40 years to hide my pain. Okay. And I, I became so good at that that I could have gotten beat down and I could have came out with a smile and no one would have been the wiser. I was so good at, you know, just being the clown. Mm. And I I call it being the clown because, you know, we see that mask and we see how happy the clown is. And the clown does flips and the clown lets you splash water in their face and the clown lets you kick them in the butt. And I was the clown because that's how I presented myself. So mm-hmm. I hid that from my sons. And because he was a police officer, he hid the bruises that I was to face. So he would never hit me where it would show. Okay. Um, if, if it did, it was always from the neck down and on a part of my body, you know, that you couldn't see. So I had bruises on my arms and bruises in, on my back. And, and it was always followed up with the biggest apology, but it it wasn't just a big apology. I was on this, I was on this merry-go-round because, um, or I I call it the roller coaster because uh, I always say the highs were highs, but the lows were lows. Mm -hmm. And so his apologies came with gifts, big, lavish gifts, a car, Mm -hmm. um, a house, all of a sudden he could, he could provide for the boys something expensive, or I'm, I'm going to take you guys on a trip to Disney. How does that sound? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. You know, they, the, the apologies were always huge, but the abuse was all always a little bit huger. And so 
I, I, I kind of, I knew I was in an ab abusive relationship, but I didn't think domestic violence. My self-esteem allowed me to think, you know, this is, uh, this, these are my dues. This is mm. the dues I, I have to pay for having this lavish lifestyle. Really? Um, I really did. I really thought that those were my dues. I didn't think I deserved better than that. Um, and so that's can I ask for, you, yeah. let me ask you this. So growing up, did you see successful, beautiful relationships as an, a kid? Like, where do you think you feeling like this is kind of what you deserved or these were your dues? Where did right. that, where did that come from? Um, I, you know, I was raised in a Christian household, so I was always raised in the church. I had a very good back, uh, background uh, with my parents. Uh, my mom was a single parent, you know, during my younger years. And so I think this stemmed from, I know it stemmed from, uh, my mom worked very hard. She worked two jobs and a lot of times we were left with my grandmother. And okay. during those times, I was uh, sexually abused by a cousin repeatedly. Mm -hmm for many years and <clears throat> excuse me and during that time of uh the sexual abuse that went on that's where i first learned how to wear my clown mask because okay. i had other cousins that were in the you know we all we all kind of stayed with grandma while all of our parents worked and i was the oldest and i was the oldest girl and i was the only girl and so they all looked up to me like i was the leader and i had to keep um a strong upper lip. I had to keep a, 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 an appearance that things were okay. Mm -hmm. So I was being sexually abused in the house. All my cousins were outside playing and I would have to emerge from the room happy. Okay. okay what does everybody want to do now? And mm -hmm. I had to, though tears flowed from my eyes, I had to clean it up real quick because I didn't want anyone to know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I hid it from them, didn't tell my mom anything, um, no one. And then, you know, we're always going to church and we were taught to love each other and taught to love our cousins and, and family. And so I grew up in a very, that loving environment that we are to love everyone and God doesn't like ugly, God doesn't like it. And so I felt that by telling on him, because he told me, if you tell, you know, it kind of breaks that loving environment. You're going to ruin this family uh -huh. and uh, it's going to be your fault. Okay. And uh, so it kind of led that, that, that kind of led to a life of attracting abuse because we uh, attract what we think we deserve or what, you know, what, what, what we believe we are worth. That's what we attract. And I right, didn't right. think I was worth anything and mm -hmm. I was having to hide it and I was having to cry at night and I was having to hold myself in bed and rock myself to sleep but when I got up I had to put on the mask and put on the smile it's it's showtime you know okay and so that's been my life my whole life it's showtime it's okay. it's time to get going and um and so, and, and like I said, that's how I became very good at it. So mm -hmm. by the time I was married, I had already experienced a lot of different types of abuse in my life. And um, even working at the prison, getting that uh, emotional abuse daily, daily mm -hmm. uh, working in the prison, I, uh, the men there would pleasure themselves and 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 throw their their throw it on their window and mm. tell me what they would do to me and what they would put in every 
orifice, you know, in my body and, mm-hmm. and hearing this every single day, I just grew a thick skin to Got where it. It, it didn't bother me so much. I had to, on the inside, my body was shaking at all times. And I was always a, a ball of nerves. But when it was time to face the public, it was always showtime. Okay. And so being in this relationship, um, this was actually my second marriage. My first marriage ended in abuse. And, okay. uh, you know, that. so to start over again, I felt at the time, you know, guilty that I, I did it again. Mm-hmm. I, I got in another marriage, in another situation. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I begin to think this is this is my fault. What's wrong with me uh, that people talk to me this way, that guys treat me this way, that I've been sexually abused and, and they want to do these things to me? What, what does that say about me? Mm-hmm. I am worthless. I'm not worth anything. And so because this husband was providing me with this great life and we had a nice two-story home and a beautiful uh, neighbor- neighborhood and, and in the suburbs. And I was driving a, a Jag and, you know, and we were going on trips because he had this narcissistic lifestyle that he wanted to show people how great we mm-hmm. were as a unit. Yeah. I, I thought it was my dues to pay. And, okay. you know, hey, I'll, I'll put up with this. It's not so bad because you know, after a few days, everything's going to be okay. And mm. let me just learn how to walk on eggshells. And I'm not going to talk, you know, about things that are deep and things that are important. We're just going to keep it surface when I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I, I did for many years. I just walked on eggshells. We didn't, you know, try not to make up, make arguments or uh, complaints or whatever until I decided I wanted being successful. I wanted to get my degree. Um, I wanted to become a police officer. Mm -hmm. And every time I wanted to move up in life or do something of importance to me, it became a problem. And that's when uh, the abuse would really um, reemerge every time. Did you have your own bank account? I didn't. So, you know, I, I was talking about some of the financial manipulation at the time we shared an account Okay. and he could look at my account, uh, look at the account and he knew when I spent money. And so it was a control of my finances. Mm-hmm. Anytime we had an argument or he, uh, or the abuse happened, he would freeze the account because he was the, um, uh, you know, he, he's the one that opened the account and I was just a joint person. Mm-hmm, on the account. Mm-hmm. You were added on. I was just added. So he mm-hmm. could freeze the account at any time and I couldn't get money. And so there were times I, I, I learned how to um, start taking money out the bank and having cash on hand because I knew I was going to need a hotel. I was going to need food. If this ever happened to me, I just began to uh, learn how to lead my life um, having I needed when he got ready to start abusing me. And it was like, how were you able to take out the cash if he was watching? And you would, would you put your check in and have cash back from the check? I would. Yes. Every now and then I take out a little, just a little at a time, every month, Uh just pinch off money. So I always had money, I always had cash. And, um, 
And then one day I told him I wanted my own account. That became another uh, huge fight that ended in abuse, that I wanted my own account. But he agreed. He actually agreed that we separate accounts. And I was so thankful because uh, I had a plan. And my plan was to start saving up money so I could leave him someday. Okay. And um, so I, I, I began to, yes, have this, this plan. You know, I, I put something in place that it's not going to be this way all the time. And I'm just going to uh, move on and just go through life and try to get the boys graduated from high school. And as soon as I do, I am leaving. I am leaving. God, this won't be forever. I would always tell myself that this is not going to be forever. This is not going to be forever. And though I had this plan, the day came, um, I, we'd actually moved to Houston. I, we were living in Dallas during all this abuse. But my sons graduated high school and they they were off to college. My, my now ex-husband got them into um, a school in Wisconsin, which is many hours away. Yes. But of course, I'm thinking... Oh wow, he really worked hard to get them into school and and in Wisconsin, you know, we didn't know a thing about that, but wow, he he got them in there. And so he he put them in school there and we moved to Houston. And when we did, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone in Houston. My sons didn't know the address. My parents didn't really know where I lived. They I they just knew I was in Houston and I never got the opportunity to share with them what the address was mm -hmm. um at that time i started working in parole i lost my police job um i'd actually become a police officer and uh you know that's that's another story but ultimately um he he cut my neck during um he cut my neck with his fingernails during uh my academy and I had to go to the police academy with my neck exposed. I have I had four deep lacerations to the to my neck. And when they asked about it, I finally broke down. It was my first time telling anybody I was being abused. Mm. And um and, and when I did, later his department caught wind of everything and they fired him. Oh my goodness. They fired him. That was a very scary period in life, but the moment they fired him. I thought he was going to take it out on me. Of and surprisingly, course. he said, I forgive you. I forgive you for telling, you know, I, I you know, he just kind of went into this. I've, I've been wrong. I've done wrong by you. And, and God said, you know, uh, God said we should stay together and we should be together. And, and well, and, he needed your income at that point. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so it was his great idea at that time, you know, hey, let's get the boys in college and I'm going to do everything I can. And I think we should move to Houston. That's when the Houston idea came up in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, Houston was his hometown. He thought, you know, I'll get a job there uh, because of my law enforcement background. He was able to get a job in the oil field, which the oil field is big in the Houston area. The yes, shipping it channel. is. Mm -hmm. So he did. He landed a fantastic job. He was making a hundred and something thousand dollars a year. And this was years He's, ago, right? Yes. Told me, quit your job. I'll take care of you. The boys are gone. No more of, you know, no more of the way I acted before. We're going to start this new life. And I believed it. I thought, okay, okay. Perhaps that's what it was, you know, we 
we get we got through the hurdle of him being step parent and all of this and and, and things did go well for a while. As a matter of fact, things were better than they had ever been. Hmm. And that's when the plan went awry. I, I, I had a plan to leave, but things were so good. And just when things were so good, they weren't. Hmm. It was, uh, it was one day, it was uh, the, a couple of days before my 40th birthday, as a matter of fact, and I was so happy because he woke me up with a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. just woke me up with a cup of coffee, told me it was going to be a great day. We were going to go. He was going to take me out to eat, you know, early uh, because uh, he had, you know, it was during the week of my birthday, but he was going to take me out that Sunday after watching the, the Dallas Cowboys play. And so I was in a really great mood. I was in a fantastic mood and sat there and drank my coffee. I was writing a book. I was writing my first book called On Earth As It Is In Hell. And um, so I got up and started doing some some writing and, and I sat in the living room with him, with my back to him while he watched the game. And I was, I was working on the computer and uh, I noticed he was quiet. He wasn't cheering for the game. Okay. I'm very used to him making noise and screaming for the game. And when I turned around to look at him, he was staring at me, Mm. Um, a very cold stare. Um, He was looking through me Mm. and he didn't say anything. I turned around, I started working again on the computer thinking, well, that's weird. You know, I don't know what his problem is, but okay. I think I even asked him, you know, what's wrong with you? Turned around and I was on the computer and boom, I hit a button everything was gone. Um, everything was gone from my computer. And I yelled out, you know, oh no. And so when I did that, um, he jumped up from where he was sitting and grabbed me, uh, knocking me out the chair. He knocked all the papers in the air and I fell to the ground. And uh, I started gathering up my, my papers thinking, oh my God, you know, I kept saying, you know, what's, what, what did I do? What's wrong with you? But I gathered those papers up because it was my book and I had written everything down. I thought he was going to tear them up. So I, I limped, I began to act like, you know, I was hurt. And I went and put all of my papers in a book bag and I came back out into the living room, just kind of looking at him like, you know, like what, what, what's wrong with you? I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. He, he grabbed me around my neck and, um, that's when he began to try to break my neck. Really? Um, we, yes. I, uh, I fell to the ground. He had me in a headlock and he began to twist my neck. And he began to twist my neck so far I could just about look behind my back completely. That's how much he had twisted my head. And I could feel the bones in my neck cracking. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, and, and at that time when this began to happen, I remember uh, being so, so sad because this, this is how I'm going to die. And mm-hmm. the saddest part was my kids did not know where I was. The, my parents didn't know. He was a police officer. He knew how to get rid of the body. Yeah. And so if it, you know, if they found me, this is how they would know that I died. If they found me and I doubted that they would find me. Uh, but something told me to get in the fetal position just when I was about to give up. And uh, so I did, I laid over on my side, got in the fetal position 
and it was enough for him, his grip uh, to loosen. And uh, that's when he jumped up and he ran into a back room uh, for a gun. I was going to ask you if he had a firearm. Yes, he had a firearm. I could hear him going in the gun cabinet. He was opening it and I jumped up and I had the habit of hiding a bag. Now my go bag, I had a habit of, uh, he used to, would take my phone and like I said, he would freeze the accounts and he would take my phone. I was used to these things. So I knew to, to hide things where I would have phone numbers and, and different things that I needed. And I had, it had my keys, my purse, phone numbers, everything. And I uh, was able to run out the door. And that was uh, my last time experiencing abuse. I was able to get away. Really? Did he try to find you? He was, um, I I was able to go to work. And when I did, I, I ended up passing out at work. And when I came to, I told them what happened. And I, I, I woke up crying and I told him, I am being abused. I am being abused. Someone please help me. And mm-hmm. my supervisor immediately called the police. They uh, picked him up. He was in, he was in jail and um, he called me from jail and said, hey, I forgive you. I, I forgive you. Uh, you know, um, all I need you to do is go in there and find my credit card and, and bail me out. And mm-hmm. when we get out, we're going to talk about everything. And, and I, you know, he began to do that crying thing again. And, and God just, God just assured me, you know, he just went into that again. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll get your credit card. And I hung up and I began to gather everything I could and put it in the car because I knew if I didn't bail him out, somebody would mm-hmm. he worked with this oil company he, he was liked he was a charming person everyone liked him if he did not get me to bail him somebody would and he was going to get out soon so i had been 24 to 48 hours to get my things and immediately i started packing everything clothes uh my book bag that had my book in it everything and i i left and moved to uh dallas and that mm-hmm. was it that was it. And did he, uh, did he get out of jail? Is he out he, now? He did. Yes. He got out of jail immediately. Uh, within 24 hours. When I didn't come, just as I thought, someone did bail him out. I don't know who bailed him out, but he was out. Um, he tried to call. Uh, hey, I, uh, I wasn't able to take everything. So he just thought, hey, are you at a hotel? You know, because that was my habit to go to a hotel. Uh, come on back. Everything's going to be all right. You know, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't answer, you know, he left messages like that. I didn't answer. And uh, later on, I served him with divorce papers a couple of months later. Um, and we did talk, we did talk for the last time. And uh, he said, well, wh- whatever you want is yours. Uh, you talked in person. Back. Was this an in-person mediation kind of thing, or with a lawyer no. present? Oh, okay. Um, over the phone, he called. He told me, "Come back. You know, I, I got all your stuff. Some of your jewelry's here. Some of your clothes. Uh, come on back, and uh, you can just have whatever you want. And uh, you know, I'm I'll, I'm gonna sign for this divorce. I'm not gonna fight it. And I said, I will not be back. I don't want anything from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want the divorce. And if you will leave me alone, 
won't even come after you for things. I said, just please leave me alone. And I'm so thankful. Um, I'm very grateful because he hasn't from that day. Really? He did okay. sign the papers and he did not contact me again. Of course, I, I blocked him on everything and, and, and different things, but he's not tried to contact me. So for that, yes, I am. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Have um, you because- talked to your, your young man now at this point? Have you talked to them about their experience growing up with him and, and what they might have seen that you didn't think that they saw? Yes. And that was the thing I, you know, I was saying how I was, this, I thought I was this great clown and great chameleon and I wasn't because mm-hmm. uh, they knew. Mm-hmm. Um, the sad part was they also wore the mask for me. I thought mm-hmm. I was wearing it for them, protecting them and, and they didn't hear and they didn't know. And, mm-hmm. and so they too learned how to wear the mask. And whenever we would go out in public or my mom would visit, she, my mom, she was very intuitive. She's a, she's a Christian woman. And she would even ask the boys, is everything okay? And they would say, oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Dad, he takes us here and dad. And, and they knew things weren't right. But they did later tell me, mom, we knew. Mm-hmm. We knew we were praying. We were hoping we could get away. We knew we knew we were going away to college and we were praying that you would leave. And um, we just didn't know what to do. We didn't mm-hmm. know how to help. Um, you seemed okay. We seemed okay. Mm-hmm. You played along. We played along. And it was not good for them because, um, you know, it just built up a lot of anger mm-hmm. in them. Not so much for me, but for the situation. And they felt helpless. And, you know, it made me feel guilty that I put through them through this. And, and as much as I love them and try to protect them, I only built up this anger inside of them. And uh, it just, it always made me feel guilty, but mm-hmm. they, they let me know, mom, please don't, you know, mm-hmm. they told you were a good mother. You tried um, everything you could to protect us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't hold anything against you. We're just very grateful that we're all okay. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've progressed. They've progressed very well. Uh, they've always been very good sons, very good sons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a blessing having that support because that too set up a lot of guilt in my life that I, I didn't protect them. I didn't protect them. And uh, this is what I introduced into this is you know they'd already been through abuse from the first marriage and then this is what i introduced them they wanted a dad they Mm -hmm. used to ask me you know for a dad mom you know we want to join the boy scouts but you have to have a dad and and so i did all of this for them and that's what i introduced them to and Mm -hmm. so you know even still to this day sometimes i feel very guilty um about that and and try to go above and beyond and and helping them and doing things and expanding in my life to show boys you can be successful you can be you know look at your mom look at the things that i'm doing and uh you know it's a blessing that they do i had to learn how to uh forgive myself Mm -hmm. uh, for the for for hating myself forgive me you know for for what i put them through and even feeling that guilt and, you know, slowly but surely it's starting to, uh, to leave where I can accept the love and accept the forgiveness that they have even uh, given me, the grace that they've given me and that God has given me uh, to move forward. 
Do you go uh, to therapy at all or did you? I, I tried initially when I uh, first left the abuse, I, I decided I wanted to try therapy and I just didn't, I didn't go through with it, even though I went through the deepest depression. I was in a very severe depression and I knew something had to give. Um, mm-hmm. So I did try to go to a therapist and I just felt like I was just sharing, just sharing stories that he couldn't fix. And I thought, ah. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I, I just didn't feel great about therapy. I felt like I was throwing money at the wall, but I mm. realized I needed it. I needed that. And I stuck with it uh, just a little bit and it, enough to know that I needed something more. I thought um, I, I was against antidepressants at the time because I thought I'm sad because I'm sad and I'm in control of my sadness and my symptoms. And, you know, I I thought I was in control of that. So I didn't want to take pills. I didn't want to be stuck on pills for the rest of my life or, or feel like I, you know, I had this, this mental health problem, but I did, I did so severe that I had uh, contemplated uh, taking my own life. It got Mm -hmm. very, very serious. Yeah. And um, I realized, um, you know, afterwards, I, you know, that I needed it. I needed it because uh, people are sad all the time. There's that sad. And then there's a depression. And I, my chemical balance was off that my low was way too low. Mm-hmm. I should the sad things, I should have been thinking every day how I could take my life and, and how I can make that work. And upset because I couldn't figure out how to make that work out for me that I couldn't take my life and so I did I took antidepressants the doctor uh let me know about the chemical imbalance and you know let's just get you up to a healthy level and so it took a couple of weeks but it helped tremendously Mm, mm -hmm. it helped me tremendously because then I could deal with just the sadness just you know to a normal sadness Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I began to uh, find my strength and okay. find uh, something to be positive for. And though I had nothing, I came here with nothing, no furniture, nothing. Um, I could then have a, uh, this, this point in my life where I could make a decision about how the rest of my life was to look. Yes. Because I could have been depressed and I had, I was justified for being, you know, of course I've been, I've been stomped on, I've been raped, I've been abused. I've had all these things that happened to me. Of course, you know, people would, would definitely say, yes, I understand you being sad. But then I thought, well, but what am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. When everybody's saying, oh, we understand. Oh, poor you, you know, or, you know, I'm so sorry this happened. Then, then what? Then, then what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. And so I began uh, to live positively, you know, after I was actually going to take my life and the day I decided to do so, I made a video. I went out on my uh, balcony and I made a video for Facebook and I thought I would share this in a domestic violence Facebook group. I didn't think anybody could see it, but that group, because I didn't know much about Facebook and how that worked. Mm -hmm. And so I did this video. telling people, you know, this is what I've experienced. And, you know, if you, if you could get out of the situation, please get out. 
And when I got through sharing it, I stepped back into my apartment to take my life. But something miraculous happened in that as soon as I stepped in and had posted that video, my phone began to ding like crazy. Mm. Like people begin to text me, people begin to email me, phone calls, everyone saying, Hey, me too. People that I didn't know were being abused and looked as yep. strong as I did were yep. saying, Hey, you don't know this about me, but I went through that. And you know, and others saying, What do I do? I'm going through this now. What do I do? And I did that all day, responding, responding till I was exhausted mm. and I could not. And by then I had forgotten to take my own life. Mm-hmm. And so that next day I said, God, for one day, uh, I was so arrogant to think, you know, that I was giving God the ultimatum, one <laughs> ultimatum, God, for one day, I'm going to be positive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be positive one day. And that is it. And if you don't help me, I'm going to die. You know, so I'm a hundred percent. As much as I've given into hating myself, I'm going to give this one day, 100%. And I did. I was positive for that one day. Uh, even though I was, if I was late for work, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be late. I just said, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to get to work on time. It's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, my tires at the time, they were wobbling all over the place. I, I needed uh, my tires, Che. I didn't have money. I said, I'm going to make it. Uh, I'm going to get brand new tires. I just began to talk this way for mm-hmm. that day, mm-hmm. I thought. And that day led to another things almost immediately. When I got to work, I began to write down in a folder everything I wanted to happen for me. I began to write down things that were impossible that I've never done before that I thought I wanted to do. Um, I want to be an actress and I want to tell people about domestic violence as a speaker. Mm-hmm. And one day I want to have a talk show and have people on my talk show and give them a platform to tell their story. And, and one day I'm going to have, I just begin to write down things, even little things. And I want brand new tires for my car. And I want that in every single day i began to write that stuff in a journal what happened that day and the next day things had already started happening for me Mm -hmm. almost immediately Mm -hmm. it made me grateful like oh my god i can't believe that just happened uh by that weekend my daddy coming to town he looked at my tires he said hey i'm gonna get you some tires i'm gonna get you some brand new tires did you know your tires were 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 and i was thinking nah that's a coincidence you know Mm -hmm, my dad mm -hmm. (laughs) But things like that began to open up for me. I, I wanted this ring light. I said, man, I want to start doing videos on Facebook and I need a ring light. And that's what happened with me the next day. Somebody in my apartment complex said, hey, got a ring light, giving it away if anybody wants one. Mm, mm-hmm. It was just little things at first, but every time something happened, I would always be very grateful and I would write it down. Today, I got new tires. Today, I got a ring light. Uh, Today, I was asked to speak. Oh, my God. And I began to write. And every day, I had something to put in that journal. Mm -hmm. And it led, that one day led to every single day since then. Up until now, I have a talk show. When I go back and look at everything I wrote down that day, that day I was going to take my life when I look at it, everything I wrote down happened for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100% happened. And things are still 
happening. And when they do, I just cry. The more I cry and the more I'm grateful, the more things open up for me. Mm -hmm. And it's been nonstop ever since. Nonstop. The the face the Facebook posts going broader than you thought, and then the people you know responding with the text messages and the emails and all of that. That was the birth of your purpose, right? That's when you yes. really discovered, like, I'm here for a purpose, and it's to yes. help other women who are going through domestic violence, like I experienced. So that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yes. Do you do you experience PTSD at all? Um, sometimes, you know, I think, uh, I think being guarded, there are things, um, uh, there sometimes there are things, um, men may say that they, you know, they probably are innocently, uh, saying, you know, just even if it's a little something like, Hey, tell, tell me a little something about me. Tell, tell me everything. Mm -hmm. When they say something like that, tell me everything. I always flash back to my ex-husband, how I told him everything and Mm -hmm. everything that I told him, he used against me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, even my sexual abuse, I hadn't revealed that to any of my family, uh, but I told him in confidence. And one day he'd held that against me. Oh, I bet they don't know you were raped. I bet Mm -hmm. they didn't know you'd been sexually abused. How about I let your whole family know that? Mm -hmm. How about I tell them about that cousin who did that to you? You know, so, you know, innocently, sometimes when things are are said to me, I, I kind of, you know, uh, I tend to retreat. I, I tend to shut down a little bit or, you know, so I think in there are some ways uh, I've, I've done a lot better because I, I, I put myself out there. I'm an actress now and I, I do all these exciting things, but I do, um, I'm very guarded, very watchful, you know, uh, for a reason, but sometimes to a fault and that mm-hmm. it doesn't allow me to open myself and, and experience the love that, you know, that I, I, I'm, that I deserve. I deserve because I'm so guarded, um, you know, if anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So what would, what would you, so say someone's listening right now and they haven't shared with anybody close to them that they are going through some of the things that you shared in your story what would you say to them? Because it must be a very horrific, scary, frightening thing to try to leave someone who is threatening you and who has a gun and, you know, right. who's playing these, you know, these head games and gaslighting and all of that. What would you say to them as a, as a first step? Um, I would say to have a plan. The first step is to have a plan, even if that means, you know, uh, pinching back money. Um, it mm. could be little things. Uh one of the first things I did when I did move to Houston and no one knew who I was or no one knew my address, I had a supervisor and I remember writing down one day everything. I gave uh, the supervisor uh, my address, uh, my my husband's name, where he worked, his phone number, everything. I had taken a picture of him and attached it. And one day I went in her office and I said, don't ask me any questions. I said, but if anything ever happens to me, he did it. And here's mm. his information. Mm-hmm. I said, please put this in your drawer. She said, Is so, do I need to do something? Is something wrong? I said, no, 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 no. You don't, you, you don't have to do anything, but just know if anything happens, 
because I knew, you know, and this was during my happy times. We were having a pretty good relationship, but I just felt the need to tell someone something, mm -hmm. never knowing that I may have needed that. You know, had, thank God it didn't, but had I lost my life, th that information was, so I would say have a plan. If you don't have anyone uh, that, you know, a family that you talk to, find someone, whether it's a, somebody that works at the grocery store that you see every day or someone, and you don't have to go into detail, a coworker, have a plan, um, have your personal information available, um, money, kind of start, uh, you know, kind of looking at that. And, and developing a, a plan of escape, you know, someday. We hear these stories of women who try to escape, right? And then yeah. they're, it's, it's almost like a prostitute trying to get away from a pimp, right? right? I mean, I, and I don't want to, you know, I should, probably shouldn't liken it to that. But it, it, you hear these it's stories true. of women who, you know, got caught up working the streets and they've been tricked and manipulated into doing so. And now they're prisoners and all of the threats about I'll harm your family or I'll kill you if I find you or you hear stories about women running away and then the man finding them throwing acid all over their face. Right. So, you know, I think that fear is so very real. And some of the the outcomes say that the fear is a valid fear because of the things that we often read about in the newspaper or we find women come up missing and then they find them later because the husband did it. So, yes. I, you know, I, I, I've never experienced this, this situation, but it has to be something that you're just not, you're not sure what to do. Like even going and telling a supervisor, here's my information. Here's a picture of my husband. Here's where we live. If anything ever happens to me, this is the person who did it. Like if somebody came to me and said that I would feel the need to go and say something because yeah. I wouldn't want that burden or that, that sadness of, Oh, they told me and I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Yes, yes. Uh, and that is the tricky part because I knew if she did inquire or say anything, then this may trigger him. Yeah. Um, this too was why, you know, at first when he was fired as a police officer, I went to bat for him. Oh, I just, uh, he didn't do anything. It's okay because I wanted peace. I didn't want them inquiring about anything because this would trigger him and it would be bad for me. So yeah. a lot of uh, police officers, they don't like responding a lot to domestic violence calls because ultimately uh, what they find is a lot of women all of a sudden will say, no, it's, it's okay. No, don't arrest him. They begin to take the abuser's side. And oftentimes it's not because they love him so much. They fear the repercussions when mm -hmm. he comes home because he's mm -hmm. going to get out. He, they're not going to keep him very long. Um, and so they want to make sure that the abuser hears um, that you took up for him. No, he didn't do it. No, please. I love you. No, y'all get off of him. You know, to show face that, you know, we, we weren't a part of this plan to, to get you arrested. We protect the abuser. And so in developing, uh, you know, my own plan, that was a fear, you know, that not so much at the time, I didn't think he would take his life. I just knew well, he's gonna, he's gonna beat me up again. You know, I, I gotta go through that again. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired of going through this. So let me just keep the peace. Let me just stay put. Let me keep my mouth shut and just continue to walk on eggshells because I don't want to go through this. 
Um, Did you ever consider the domestic violence shelters? I, the thing about domestic violence shelters are, unfortunately, a lot of them are, uh, are crowded. Uh, A lot of them, the conditions aren't great. So a lot of, uh, you know, and then you're leaving the comfort of your home. Your beautiful home at that. Yes. So sometimes women stay because, you know, it's not a a great thing. You know, sometimes you go to the shelters, they they uh, will have your male children stay another uh, place than you. Just just a lot of dynamics that make uh, the woman, especially if the man says, girl, come on back home. And though you don't want to, you're just like, well, at least I know home, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'll just go home. And and so they say a lot of times it takes seven times before a woman leaves for good. And these are some of those uh, those dynamics where he will talk her into coming back. See, you got out there. I told you nobody loved you. I told you nobody would help you. I told you. And it reassures them that. Let me just go on back home because he's right. You know, mm, maybe he's mm-hmm. right. And so that's another piece of the domestic violence um, thing that women go through, the lack of resources, the lack of being able to start again. And that's why I knew I needed a plan. You know, I knew I needed my degree. I knew I needed, you know, he, he always wanted me to quit my job. So he did not want me to get uh, degrees. He did not want me to really work because he knew that that would be something that he could hold me back. I didn't, you know, if I didn't have any skills or I didn't have, you know, I couldn't do anything for myself, then he could always say, come on back home. I don't even know why you're acting that way. Yeah. I don't even, and I would have no money, no control. He would control the bank account and, and I was stuck. And so that's when I, you know, started developing that plan of, of, of saving money and starting to tell people because I knew it was getting time, you know, even though things were going right, I still kept in my mind that I was leaving. Even, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just need to get a little bit more money for a down payment for an apartment. And that's why I stayed so long. I was trying to get my resources together and get my plan together, but I never got to complete my plan. I had to leave with no money and nothing that I had planned on doing. I just had to get up and leave immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would say that the next thing is to never let your 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 right hand know what your left hand is doing. A lot of uh, what I find is people, um, first of all, the guy can get you to come back. Come on back. Let's talk about this. It's a very dangerous time okay. uh, to go back and especially in person to have that last conversation. Okay. Um, very, very dangerous time. So that's not the time to say, I'm leaving or even before I'm leaving. I'm taking the kids and we're going to California, have a plan, say nothing about your plan. Okay. Uh, don't mention it in an argument. Well, I'll just go stay with my mom or I'll just never discuss your plan Okay. Um, or anything, you know, about what you're planning to do because then they can make a plan. Oh, okay. So she's thinking about leaving me. I'll fix that. I'll mm-hmm. make sure she does it. Mm-hmm. So you know, that, that would be the, the next thing. Never, never let, never let that plan get out, you know, where, where you're in an argument and you say something more about it. Um, make a go bag. 
there are times it, it may be an emergency and you may not have any resources, no phone numbers, no anything, and you're just out there. This is critical because if you get out there and you have um, no phone numbers, no one to call, no one to talk to, that's another easy way you can say, come on back home where it's safe, where it's warm. Um, you know, you're you're out there trying to start again. You don't have anything. You don't have any food. You don't have anywhere to stay. I have the money. Come on home. You know, and this, it makes, it's a very uh, vulnerable time because you feel like, gosh, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's right. You know? Oh, and, and the, the go bag, they wouldn't see the go bag, the guy, the husband. Right. Right. So, you know, the thing was, I, I, uh, I would have to hide, my go bag in places that he didn't really go. So he didn't like cooking. So I hid my go bag with my pots and pans back, uh, okay. way back in a, a cabinet where the pots and pans were. And um, so I knew where that was, but I was, I was used to moving that bag somewhere else or, you know, no, nowhere where he could really find it. Mm -hmm. uh, having those those phone numbers in my car or you know just somewhere under the tire under the spare tire you know just different places where I could have resources or have things mm -hmm. and that was my plan of course that varies with every woman because a yeah. lot of women say you know uh they have different situations they have children like you said involved where okay you go but these kids are staying here with me and, you know, or, you know, threatening their lives or, you know, it's so many dynamics. Uh, but this was the plan that I, I put in place because I knew uh, that it was critical to do so. And so, you know, I, I did have the opportunity just to, to start trying to save money or try to get my degree, try to look for employment in Dallas. You know, I, I, I was already doing job searches uh, so that if, when I was ready to go, I could start all over again, have the job, have the car, have, you know, just have things and be ready for, um, to start again. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it came today, <clears throat> excuse me. Like I said, it came at a day when I, I wasn't prepared. It was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have all that money saved anymore. I had to use that money for other things. And, and, uh, but it was okay because things were okay. Things were great. Mm -hmm. So you kind of relaxed on your plan. I relaxed. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And you, you had to spend the money and you were probably thinking, well, I'll start over again. Exactly. Because I am ultimately going to leave. But right now things aren't so bad. I'm writing my book. He's being right. nice. He's got a good job. He's happier than he was when he was with the po police force and all that stress and racism. So I, yeah. I can see how you would you would be making these these not excuses, but reasons yeah. why you would you would relax the plan. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it, you know, domestic violence is such a, a complex, layered um, discussion, and yeah. and for those people who haven't experienced any of it before, it's it's really hard to hear. It's just devastating that women are actually going through this and are actually in prison in their own homes and their children are seeing these things happen and they're like your sons, you know, wearing a mask right along with you. And mm -hmm. that trauma is just, you know, being built up over and over and over time. And it, you know, it creates, it creates adults who have a lot of healing to do. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I like that you that you know that that therapy is good. You know, maybe right now you haven't found the right therapist for you, but you've seen a lot of success. You know, you you have an outlet for your writing and your acting. And before we we go, I, I want you to share with people, you know, wh- whatever you want to share about what you're doing right now, where they might be able to follow you or find you or see some of the projects that you have going on or listen to your talk show or buy your yeah. book. You know, you've got all these <laughs> things. So before we go, please share what you have going on. Oh, yes, absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, which is is a lot. Like I said, everything I wrote down about being positive, it happened for me. So I am um, acting uh, still. I have a movie out on Tubi now called Dry Places that I was able to uh, uh, be a contributing writer with uh, Mr. Theo Bray and to write that movie. It's on Tubi. Another one is called Blind Trauma that will be out this summer. And then I'm excited because I, I got to write and direct and I am in my own movie. I, I was able to produce my own movie called Daddy. Yes. Called Daddy. Okay. It's called Daddy. And you know, I, I started this uh you know talk out about that abuse as a child. And so we see that, you know, and, and the way that we attract things in our life. Like I said, you attract what you think you, you know, you deserve or you're worth. And I were, you know, thinking I was worthless. That's what I attracted and all types of abuse. That's what this movie will entail. Daddy, as we see this young girl, uh, this young, vibrant, full of life girl attract things that never should have attracted until she changed the the trajectory of her life. Okay. And so uh, that movie will come out this summer. It's in post-production. And so I'm very excited. It comes out this summer. Okay. Um, I will share updates for that. So please do. Uh, yes. And then my own talk show. So I have a talk show that will appear on the Zondra TV network. You can download Zondra TV on your streaming, your favorite streaming devices like Amazon, um, Apple, Roku. Um, t- uh, uh, gosh, it has a lot of outlets, a lot of platforms that this show will be on. And it's called Caught on the Hook. Mm. where I help you recognize the bait. And so I get to talk about some of those, you know, since I was a law enforcement officer for so long, criminal justice, and actually was able to understand the way the manipulation happens, the way, you know, I've, um, because I've studied them for so long and know what the bait is, I help others to recognize the bait. And so I have uh, other guests on the show who will talk about different types of bait, you know, whether it's workplace, you know, uh, uh, people in the workplace, trauma, things that happen with their families, maybe family didn't get along, or even guests with autism. And that became, you know, things that, 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 that they had to push forward. This show will have, have a guest who have powerful stories about how they have obtained their own path for success despite circumstances caught on the hook okay so if you give me the the link or somehow where people know exactly where to find that or where to download it i will put it in the show notes on the podcast so awesome please feel free to reach out i am here my purpose is to let someone else feel empowered the way i've been Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for letting my audience hear your story and for empowering them with, with the, 
success of your story, you know, you're, you were a survivor and you're still thriving and, and, and still working on yourself. And I just love that about you. So thank you for your vulnerability and, you know, yeah. just being open to sharing so, so freely, you know, yes. all of, all of the details. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're, you're quite a blessing and you give a platform as well. And I, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All right. Well, if you all want to stay connected with me, uh, GYSB Movement, I am that on all social media platforms. That's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And I I'm not on Facebook really anymore. It's GYSB. Somebody hacked my account. So really those three platforms. And we will be taking the GYSB Talks podcast to video format as well starting in March. So look out for that. So follow me over there on YouTube so that you're already connected when those go to video format. Until then, thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you uh, took something away from this story. I know I certainly did. And we look forward to talking to you on the next episode of GYSB Talks. All right. Th take care. Thank you so much, Cortina. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All content on this podcast and any linked blog, podcast, webinar, course, or video material is created and produced for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health advice. The information is general and may not be suitable for your personal circumstances or complete health objectives. Do not use this content as a standalone resource to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease for therapeutic purposes or as a substitute for the advice of a health professional. Never delay seeking advice or disregard the advice of a medical professional based on our content here on this podcast. If you have questions or concerns about your health or medical condition, please seek guidance from a medical professional.